Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. My usual co-host, Matt Williamson, on vacation this week, got some fantastic guest hosts from the network on today's program. I'm joined by Luke Braun. He is the host of Locked On Vikings. We've to him before. He's great at breaking things down. The NFC North, quarterbacks, a lot to get into today. Dak Prescott, it doesn't look like he's going to sign. Uh, the biggest news around the league, though, is the Washington Redskins no longer will be called the Redskins. That might be the last time I ever say that word, hopefully in my life. I'm tired of talking about it, and it's a word that I don't like saying. And, and usually I don't say it on the show. It's funny because, Luke, I've said the team name of the current Washington football franchise more recently <laughs> than I ever have because it's the news, and you have to say the old name to talk about the story, right? And they keep dropping these press releases. It's kind of bizarre. On the press release announcing that it's not going to be the name, like they're trying to just get it in as many times as they can. It's like in the Half letterhead. Half a dozen times, yeah. It's on the letterhead <laughs> three times. Yeah, it's it's like something you got to dance around, right? It's like, oh yeah, when they played in Washington, like, you can kind of uh, dance around it. There's only but, so many yeah, ways you yeah, can yeah, put it's, it's Washington football franchise. And I think you have some some good information about what maybe their team name could be or maybe what it should be or maybe why some of the options are the options. I have a feeling they're going to do something to that, that will make, that will be wrong, though. Right. Did, is that the wrong vibe that I should be getting from Dan Snyder in Washington? I mean, yeah, that's a decent bet with anything Dan Snyder attempts to accomplish. But, <laughs> but even yeah, like okay, a so good I, intention name look- could go wrong, I feel like, too. Like the red tails I like, but then somebody's going to say like, ah, but but they're not a mascot. You know, like I, I feel like yeah. it could still go wrong, even if it's good intention at this point, like someone's going to find something wrong with it. Yeah. Well, of course, everybody will have a, have their take, but yeah. So I, I went and searched around for a bunch of the other options, a bunch of the proposed options that are getting a little steam. What are the betting favorites? The red tail is the be- red tails is the betting favorite. I think the biggest problem with that is that it sounds like you just got spanked. Um, but there are other issues with the other ones that are kind of similar but that if people aren't aware uh is a reference to the tuskegee airmen that was one of the first black military aviation groups in the u.s air force and of course it's also from tuskegee which is famous for the tuskegee experiment where they gave that's a, a primarily black city and they gave people syphilis on purpose in a very like famous ethical like unethical experiment Um, So that would all kind of be like a nod to not only like would it be getting rid of the the racial connotation of your own name, but it would kind of be a nod the other way of like acknowledging um, kind of a a really cool military moment in history, uh, as well as kind of uh, showing some respect for some of the less unsavory things in the United States' history. Right. Keeping Um, the color scheme the same, it seemed like it would be a very easy changeover to red tails too that would make yeah sense. the cadence is the same the washington red tails right. like it sounds pretty it similar it flows because you're so used to saying the old name and yeah what what here's why i think it's not going to happen because it wasn't dan snyder's idea but i love like the the artwork and everything that was put into that idea of the red tails i mean it looks great it's like just roll yeah. it and like you can get away with a plane based football team that's been proven yes <laughs> absolutely and it's the military tie-in ron rivera said it had to be tied right. into the military for some reason, I don't know why exactly that has to be. I guess it's the like case. a DC thing. Yeah, it's Washington, but I mean, it Washington would encompass everything 
nationwide governmental, right? Not just the military. So it seems weird that it has to have a military tie-in. But but seeing the uh, the last press release where Ron Rivera said that makes me feel like that's the direction they're going with with the name. So if I was to bet on a name, I, I would probably bet on one that has some sort of maybe a military tie-in. So Red, yeah. Tail, Red Tails hits all of those. Yeah, and there's a lot of other military options. There's like the generals, but that always ha- that has the globetrotters thing, where they are like and they lose historically associated yeah. with losing. <laughs> like, I don't know if you want to co-op that, uh, but you could go with lieutenants or the sergeants or the the captains, and you could be like the caps along with the hockey team and kind of have some DC stuff there. Um, the you could just go with the capitals. That's something that's been done before. I mean, you've got like the Bears and Cubs in Chicago, so that's not out of the question. Or like senators or presidents. Um, those are all things that I've seen kind of thrown out there. One that I find really interesting is the red wolves, uh, which is there. There is like an endangered species of wolf in that part of the United States. It sounds really cool. We don't really have a lot of canine stuff in the NFL, except for the vague bulldog thing with the Browns. So that would be kind of neat. And I've seen some doesn't really make any cool sense. red wolves. Red wolves are uh, artwork. Yeah, uh, red wolves seems to be the one that's gaining the most steam. I wonder if there's some leaked information there because that all of a sudden the last day or so has been like, Oh, this is going to be the name, the red wolves, by the way, why the are the Browns too? And they know why do the Browns have anything to do with that bulldog thing? Like where, I what is have that? no idea. I think it's like, I don't know. It's like a dog pound. I, th- I think it's like a rust belt, blue collar kind of deal. Okay. Um, and then another one is the warriors and you could keep your same kind of tribal vibe, but like every culture had warriors. So it's much, it's, it's no longer like disparaging a group or anything, but you still get that same, Hey, look, we're like a fearsome army and we're together like warriors, yeah. like a tribe thing. And the war, they're warriors on the field as well. Yeah. And I mean, you get golden state warriors and they don't really get in trouble for that. So no, they don't. Those are the big ones that I saw. I'm sure there's a lot of other ideas out there. It could be something totally out of left field. I think if I had to guess, it would be Red Tails that's the betting favorite. And I think that'd be pretty cool. Seems like Red Tails, Warriors, and Red Wolves are the three favorites. I would guess it's one of those three. And what's interesting about this is, as reported by the Washington Post, they wanted to announce the name Monday but they could not because the name is tied up in a trademark fight. And I believe there is a gentleman, and I, I lost the article that had his name. He's in Virginia somewhere, not Arlington, Virginia, uh, the other A city in, in uh, Virginia, close to D.C. Anyway, uh, he's trademarked like every option for Washington. <laughs> but what what's, a grift. Here, what's crazy is, oh, here's his name. Yeah, Alexandria, Virginia is where he is. His name is ah. Martin McCauley. Here's what's crazy, though. This is... He's a 61-year-old living in Alexandria, Virginia. In 2015, he was quoted saying this, I can really see into the future on this issue. Now when I look into the future, I see no change for 10 years. And then in 10 years, I see the name changing to the Washington Warriors. And if not the Warriors, then the Americans. He said that in 2015. Oh, is that weird? Well, Washington Americans, that's lame. That would <laughs> that, be horrible. That would be a really bad name. Washington Warriors, though, which is one of the favorites. I wonder yeah. if that's one. And he's the guy who um, he's basically trademark squatting on a whole bunch of names. So I think that's the fight because he trademarked the name right now that Dan Snyder wants to use. And it looks like, okay, uh, so this is and this isn't like this month that he did this. He trademarked these five years ago. Americans, Bravehearts, Federals, Forces, Founders, Gladiators, Monuments, Natives, Pandas, Pigskins, Red-Tailed Hawks, Renegades, Sharks, Veterans, and Tribe. 
I think maybe a few. Oh others. man, I didn't think about the hawks with the red tails. Yeah, you could totally make your mascot a hawk. Definitely, that makes sense. Oh, what a what a legend! <laughs> that is so typical of that franchise. Like, of course, there would be some random person standing in the way of them making this movie. <laughs> but this guy had the guts in in 2015, five years ago. He's like, <laughs> I can see into the future. Like that was his quote. I can see into the future. They're going to be called the Washington Warriors. That is. He strange. told everyone at, at parties about that for years and years, yeah. and it's finally paying off. And so many people laughed at him. That yeah, they're like, like God, now. why'd you invite Martin? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, another bit of news I want to get into is the Dak Prescott uh, non-signing. It looks like it, it's looking more and more like I thought they were going to get a deal done. It's looking more and more like, though, he's going to play under the franchise tag. Uh, according to ESPN's Todd Archer, there are no talks scheduled between Dak Prescott and the Cowboys ahead of Wednesday's July 15th deadline to reach a long long term contract. So that's an interesting one there. And uh, this Dak situation reminds me so much of what went on with the franchise we just talked about in Washington and their ex-quarterback, now the quarterback of the team you cover, the Minnesota Vikings, and Kirk Cousins. My question to you, does it make sense if Dak Prescott plays it out? I feel like that's the game. He can make the most money, whether it's from Dallas or another team, just to, to play it out and get 30 mil plus a year from these two franchise tags. Yeah, and that's kind of the move that that Cousins made in the last five years, and this includes a giant signing bonus he just got, so it's a little bit weird, but in the last five years, no quarterback has made more money, has taken home more cash than Kirk Cousins. Of course, Mahomes hasn't seen most of his and stuff, and there's a big signing bonus, bonus and stuff, but Kirk Cousins is a very good negotiator, and I think part of that is, yeah, taking home a couple of huge franchise tags, but he had to do that at the cost of not having the stability. If he had torn his ACL or something in one of those seasons, his career probably goes down the toilet. So Dak has to be okay with that risk if he wants to be okay with playing that out. But if I'm the Cowboys, man, I, I cannot fathom what the Cowboys are doing right now. Dak Prescott is good at football. Lock up your quarterback. I mean, come on. It's like you do it early or it gets to the point where it's like, oh, my gosh, this is too big. What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? And then by that time, it's too late. And then maybe you have to either do a stupid deal, which I could see that argument why, okay, well, we don't want to give Dak $40 million. He's not. And we'll look at those matting ratings actually in a second. Uh, he's not 99 overall Patrick Mahomes, but Dak Prescott's a really good quarterback. And you should have signed yeah. him a long time ago, just like Washington's should have signed Kirk Cousins many years before he actually became a free agent and that all came to pass. So uh, when it comes to And Madden, they still haven't recovered from, from losing out on him. Right. No, it, yeah. I mean, it's and, only and been then, a couple of years, but it really, they really fell into quite a, quite a painful little chapter. here. And here's the other thing with quarterbacks. I'll ask you coming up if, if it worked out for the Vikings, even signing Kirk Cousins, you talked about how much money he's taking home. So we'll get into the Vikings, Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, and I think a little Twitter war going on with some Madden ratings that have been released between Cowboys Twitter and Eagles Twitter, all that, coming up on Locked On NFL. Okay, let me ask you this first before we talk Madden ratings and we talk Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott, and uh, whether or not these Madden ratings are reflective of how good these quarterbacks actually are in 2020. We have the top 10 Madden ratings quarterbacks as Madden's getting ready to launch. Let me ask you this about Dak Prescott. So you've seen how it went with Kirk Cousins. If it plays out that way and Dak Prescott ends up being paid more, basically because he's going to be the next quarterback up and he gets paid yearly more than what Patrick Mahomes is being paid right now and essentially gets the, the new version of what Kirk Cousins' deal 
was with the Vikings, whether it's with the Cowboys or with another team, do you think that makes sense for him? How good do you think Dak Prescott is? In terms of his on-field level of play, absolutely. Yeah, I think he, for most players, I think would be served well by going back to the negotiating table very often, assuming they can stay healthy. So if you have an injury history, you know, if you're Dalvin Cook, it might not be as good to go back to the negotiating table a lot because you get hurt a lot, right? Or if, you know, this might not be as good for like Carson Wentz wants to lock in for a five-year deal because he gets hurt a lot. Um, But I think if you stay healthy and you're reasonably good, salary cap goes up and you probably stand to make more money as the most recent person who signed, even if you aren't necessarily the best person who signed. So I think the longer this goes on, assuming health, the better it is for Dak and the worse it is for the Cowboys. $31 million under the franchise tag in 2020 for Dak Prescott. It's going to be interesting to see if that uh, does come down to the wire before Wednesday's deadline and they're able to get a deal done or if this thing plays out. Uh, I I can kind of understand it from the Cowboys' perspective. It's like, it's real easy. He's like, okay, is he the best quarterback in the league? Is he driving? Daniel Jeremiah, former NFL scout, works for the NFL Network, uh, Move the Sticks podcast. I love listening to Daniel Jeremiah talk, and he he puts things in, in terms that are very easy to understand. He and Bucky Brooks always talk about this. Are you the truck or the trailer when it comes to quarterbacks? And Dak Prescott, I can see the argument for both sides that he's the truck driving that thing in Dallas, but also that maybe he's not the most important aspect. Like he's got the he's had the best offensive line in front of him. He's had the best running back in the league behind him. Receivers while he's been in Dallas. It's been a really good situation for Dak Prescott, you know, coaching maybe you know, that that argument could go either way, I think, for for how he's been coached while he's been there, but Generally, Dak Prescott, I think, was in a pretty good situation. So it, it just reminds me so much of that Kirk Cousins, Washington, late Washington years situation that um, I, I understand not wanting to give Dak the most money because he's not the best quarterback in the league. But when yeah, you don't if they have, let him walk out the door, it'll be unforgivable. This is what happens is and we saw it in Washington. It's like, OK, well, we let that guy go. Great. Now we realize how hard it is to even get a quarterback who can be in the conversation for one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league. And the 49ers <laughs> kind of went through that this offseason. And, and there's arguments about Jimmy Garoppolo. It's like, okay, get rid of Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo. See where you're at. You're not going to like where you're at. I think with Kirk Cousins, the same thing. And with Dak Prescott, it's the same thing. So uh, when you don't have that quarterback, then you start hurting. And then you realize, oh, yeah, we should have just paid him because it's that important. Yeah, you could torpedo a whole decade doing that. You could go all the way into becoming like a a franchise like the Browns or the Jaguars that are just like floundering. Yeah, maybe you can go back into the draft and hit on the one guy, you know, get your miracle draft pick. But it like requires that to get out of that situation. Being in the QB market without an answer is the last place I want any franchise to be. And Jerry Jones might be in that situation where he views what's gone on in Dallas for the last 15 years and say, we don't need that first round quarterback. We don't need to tank and draft one overall because we can find a Tony Romo. We can draft a Dak Prescott in the fourth round. We're that good. Yeah. So that's the other thing is like, is he, does he have the guts to say, no, we'll just, we'll just find another one. Yeah. It's just that easy. Just go find another quarterback. (laughs) It happens all the time, right? Hey, Tom Brady was a six rounder. (laughs) Oh boy. All right. Uh, Speaking of Tom Brady, Madden ratings, Tom Brady is one of the top 10 rated quarterbacks in Madden. 21. Um, I, I think it was a fun argument going on on Twitter today between Cowboys Twitter and Eagles Twitter because obviously they're the two best teams in the NFC East 
And their quarterbacks, Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz, were both rated by Madden 21, 84 overall. They were the ninth and 10th, tied in the, at the end of the top 10 for the best quarterbacks in the NFL at 84 overall. Do you have any, uh, do you have any takeaways from this Cowboys Twitter versus Eagles Twitter argument? And can you, can you put an end to it? Do you have an answer? Who's better, Dak or Carson Wentz? Oh, I have an answer for sure. I, I can I can put an end to this. But yeah, this is, I mean, Eagles fans and Cowboys fans have been arguing over this since 2016. But like, this has always been a thing because their quarterbacks <laughs> were in the same class and, you know, they're bitter rivals and all that. Um, but so to address this, I went to the QB annual from Pro Football Focus. It's their annual quarterback publication, has all kinds of really awesome data, and it gets super, super specific. Um, so you can find really interesting patterns and really get to know a quarterback's, you know, strengths and weaknesses in a way that you can't really with something like a, an overall rating that's going to put them the same or something like, uh, you know, passer rating or, or like box score stats. Um, so looking at Dak Prescott, one of the things that, like, it, or I guess we'll start with just accuracy. Both of them are very similarly accurate. So putting them on the same uh, level there is probably correct. Um, I think Dak wins out like a little bit, but it's like a, a fraction of a percent. It's not really enough to establish a take of like he's better just based off of accuracy. So you have to look at some other stuff. And really the thing with Dak that stuck out to me was that um, his bad throws weren't as bad and his good throws were better. That is like where I would put Dak Prescott in comparison to Carson Wentz in like a sentence, but he was really good at a go route, like Amari Cooper streaking down the field, take the top off the defense, throw it over the back shoulder. Dak Prescott was phenomenal at that. That was his throw for that Cowboys offense. He was also very good on third down, which is a really big deal. And what's really awesome about that is they just fired their head coach. So you have a new head coach coming in. That is like the easiest thing in the world to coach and scheme for run four verts all day. And on third down, you got a guy that can make stuff happen, right? That is such a friendly thing to a first year coach. On the flip side, um, he threw the the most common route that Jason Garrett called there was a, or a, the most common throw was left sideline between like 10 and 15 yards that kind of out throw um, with like a horizontal lead to it that he was like very okay at. And they maybe will not want to do that as much, but I don't think it's a, it's a, a coincidence that Dak Prescott was the most successful he's been since that crazy 2016 years, that, that, that rookie year. He was the most successful he's been in the year where he threw it the deepest, the most often. He's got a good deep ball, and that's really, really important. Um, PFF has these things called big time throws and turnover worthy plays. It's kind of their version of touchdown interception, but it's like, this is a big time, you know, this is a big third and 15 conversion. This was a clutch throw is a perfect throw, you know, in a big situation. And then turnover worthy plays is basically interceptions plus things that should have been interceptions, like things that were like a dropped pick or something kind of, uh, including some context. And Dak was a little bit boomer bust in this part. Um, he was really, really good at stressing defenses with those big time throws, like the go routes, like I talked about. Um, and, but he had on like scramble drills, he would do some boneheaded stuff and throw some dumb interceptions. And that happened way too often. And that's where I think Carson Wentz can kind of, uh, ha like ha get a little bit of a foothold he hold here. He produced a lot fewer of those big explosive big time throws. Um, his accuracy was still just okay. He was very one side. He was very good to his right and not as good to his left. And that is something that is kind of indicative of like mechanical issues. And sometimes that can be caused by injury. Mitch Trubisky. Um, 
but he was way better at scramble drills uh, than Dak Prescott. He was, it was a smallish sample. He didn't do it all that often, but when he would scramble around and improv and make something happen, a lot of times he could make something really cool happen. You remember that? I think it was uh, against Washington, uh, that throw, that just unbelievable one between two defenders uh, for a touchdown on that right sideline. Um, he had, he was a little bit more conservative than Dak Prescott. And I think the kicker for me is that he threw way too many balls that were deemed uncatchable by PFF. So there's, they kind of have two different inaccurate buckets. There's ones that are like not quite on target, but the receiver can work with it if they adjust enough. And then there's ones that are just into the third row or like just completely uncatchable. This was a really bad pass. Carson Wentz had way too many of that uncatchable category, whereas most of Dak's misses were still catchable. So if you have a guy like Amari Cooper, he can still haul it in and it doesn't matter that you missed by a little bit. So for all of that, I'm giving this to Dak Prescott. I think he's a good quarterback. I honestly think Jason Garrett cost him dearly with bad coaching. I I really, especially the, the game against my Vikings, I think Jason Garrett completely blew that. I think there's a couple other ones. I think they win 11, 12 games if, if they have an even okay coach. I think Jason Garrett was dreadful. So if you bring Dak Prescott back, you have him throw a little bit deeper, even more often and really push that. And he plays as well as he did last year. I think the Cowboys are in the playoffs easy. And I can't really say that with Carson Wentz. What you get with him from a play to play basis is just too unreliable. And you're not even sure if he can get on the field. So I'm giving this to Dak Prescott. Eagles fans, you can at Luke Braun NFL. Dak's going to end up making more money than Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be fun to watch. (laughs) Let's see how that goes. You know, while we have you here, Luke, I want to talk Minnesota Vikings. So let's do that next with guest host Luke Braun, host of Locked on Vikings. So the big story this offseason with the Minnesota Vikings is Dalvin Cook. Are we going to see Dalvin Cook hold out? It doesn't sound like he's involved in anything happening right now, but obviously there's not much happening right now. So really, July 28th, when training camp gets going, that's the day to look for. Do you think Dalvin Cook is going to show up? Yeah, he hasn't actually missed anything yet because he <laughs> announced the holdout after like the other offseason stuff was over. Uh, but he does intend to hold out of things, including the preseason season, whatever, till he gets a new contract. Um, right now, it seems like there is quite a bit of distance between Dalvin Cook and the Vikings. The whole thing doesn't seem like emotionally very contentious. Uh, they asked Gary Kubiak about it during a press conference, and he was like, yeah, you know, he's... Uh, exercising his negotiating rights. We'll get a deal done. You know, we want him in. He's really important to us and stuff. And it wasn't something where it's like, well, he better be on the field or else. But like you hear some teams talk about when a player holds out and uh, Dalvin Cook also hasn't really been very, I mean, he's, he's also been very uh, in with the team and the camaraderie. Uh, he's been kind of participating in some of the social justice initiatives that the Vikings have been doing in the wake of all like current events and stuff. So it doesn't seem like there's a lot of like emotional contention, but that said, yeah, there's like a, a difference. The reporting right now, and this is unconfirmed, this is all just like source says, right? Um, but it, the reporting right now is that the Vikings offered him like eight or 9 million and he wants more like 13 or 14. That's a lot of distance to get through. So there is absolutely a chance that week one comes around. Dalvin cook is holding out and we are seeing, you know, Alexander Madison be the, the number one running back in week one against the Packers. Um, but that is probably not good for Dalvin Cook. I think he really, like, I mean, we've seen this go really poorly for other running backs. The running back market is terrible. Yeah. You don't want to have to, you don't want to be out of a job and have to convince a team to pay you in this particular market. So if I were Dalvin Cook, I probably would sign something eventually. But if you hold out right now, you miss a week of training camp, scare the Vikings up a little bit and they, they tack a half a million on, then it was worth it. Right. So that's kind of the way that I am seeing this. We'll see how far he takes it, but 
I think that if he actually misses meaningful football and he holds out like the whole year or something, that's probably unwise. I would advise against that if I were his age. Yeah, we see it didn't really work out too great for Melvin Gordon. And the, the running back market is just this completely different thing now. And and I'm definitely on board with the with the don't pay running backs, big second contracts. Um, I don't know how you feel about it with Dalvin Cook specifically in Minnesota's offense, specifically how big of a loss would that be for whatever games he could miss if he did hold out? Yeah, so Dalvin Cook does offer something that I do think has value. And I, I've, I'm a huge analytics guy on my podcast. I talk about economics all the time on Locked on Vikings and stuff and how that can be kind of applied to football and all that. So I definitely am in the, I mean, you should, like what the Panthers did with Christian McCaffrey, I think is outright insane. Um, I thought they should have traded him because that was their best trade chip. If you want to rebuild quickly, (laughs) trade him, use those extra picks. Don't spend on a running back while you're losing. Maybe add a running back when you're winning and get that extra little value there. Give Bill O'Brien a call, man. What are you doing? (laughs) Exactly. Um, But yeah, so I I think that, I mean, if they paid him the 13 or 14 that he wanted, I would absolutely disagree with that. Um, I think that nine or 10 million is an appropriate amount for what Dalvin Cook offers. I don't think that you are the same football team with Dalvin Cook versus with Alexander Madison. Now, Madison's pretty good, and I don't think the drop-off is like insane. It's not like the drop-off between, say, Kirk Cousins and Sean Mannion, where you just can't really feel the team anymore. Um, But I do think you lose some value. There are a lot of plays in 2019, especially where Dalvin Cook would convert a long yardage situation uh, just by making two or three guys miss. And there's not a lot of guys in the league that can do that. And that happened often enough to actually have an effect on like the overall production of the offense, especially going back to Dallas. The game against Dallas was maybe his best of the year. And he would, you know, catch a pass, a swing pass on second and 10, make two guys miss and just flow through the line and, and really add value to what is, let's be honest, a mediocre offensive line. And I think he overcomes that to a degree. It takes a lot of pressure off of that mediocre offensive line, which is very important because mediocre, I think, is a generous word to be using for them. (laughs) Um, And I don't think Alexander Madison, while he's perfectly capable, and I think he could probably be a starter in the NFL just fine, uh, he's, he's just, he's not Dalvin. Dalvin really does something special and can get, something done there that said what that actual you know the odd second and 10 conversion whatever that's worth is limited so i would go with the nine or ten million i would be happy with that um and if you could get that for delvin that would be awesome i think if anything above that then i start to disagree with the move and if you do something like christian mccaffrey yeah then we're getting our torches and our pitchforks obviously the big move with that offense this offseason was the loss the trade away of Stephon Diggs. They went right back to the well in round one, got another wide receiver in Justin Jefferson, who played so much in the slot. I think basically 100% out of the slot in 2019, played a little bit more outside at LSU in previous seasons. If I'm not mistaken, the Vikings don't run three wide like ever. If they no, do go last three, in the league in that. Okay, so yeah, I was right. Okay, so they have last in the league at going three wide. Justin Jefferson played so much out of the slot. How do you see the fit there? And is there a regression for that offense, offensive line? Some question marks there. God forbid Dalvin Cook doesn't miss games. When you look at it under that lens, it's like, okay, uh, this is a playoff team, and I'm sure the Vikings plan to be a playoff team again. Are you worried about a regression on offense? Oh, for sure. I think he'd be insane not to. Um the the offensive line, yeah, they released Josh Klein. That is a pretty baffling move. It seemed like they asked him to take a pay cut. He said no, and they cut him instead. 
Uh, he is still on the market, and the door is open for him to come back, although I think they've got a pretty low-ball offer on, on there for him, so I don't know if he wants it. Uh, you have, of course, you have Ezra Cleveland. That's a second-round pick. He might come in, so you might be okay there on the offensive line, but it would be a stretch to expect it to be good. You're going to have to hide it with play action a whole bunch again. Uh, but in terms of the skill players, yeah, going from Diggs to Justin Jefferson, obviously a downgrade. I love Justin Jefferson. I love the pick. I really, really wanted him pre-draft, so I got real excited when they took him. Uh, but he, yeah, the, the LSU liked to kind of put him in the slot and take advantage of small slot corners. The Vikings do that as well with Adam Thielen. You can do that with either. Either of them, I think, would be just fine on the outside. So I'm not really worried about like, oh, no, they only have slot receivers. I think that's fine. Uh, and in terms of using two tight ends, you have Kyle Rudolph, and I have uh, a lot of high expectations for Irv Smith this year. I think he actually could have a real breakout year. I'm taking him in the last round of every fantasy draft because uh, I think he could really be a guy. Um, and yeah, they used a lot of 12 and 21 personnel with CJ Ham, a lot of play action, a lot of bootlegs and stuff. And the scheme does a lot of work here. And that scheme is perfect for Kirk Cousins. So I, I think you have definitely a downgrade in, in personnel. Um, and I, I think you'd be naive not to expect a regression. I think there absolutely will be a regression. But I think the scheme is also designed to mitigate that as best as possible. And I think if you can get a good season out of somebody like Irv Smith, if you can get one of those other skill players, or even maybe the rookie, maybe the rookie comes in and he's like Terry McLaurin and he's just awesome. Um, but if you can get some, one of those players to really step up and be the weapon that Stefan Diggs, or, or at least be able to be a threat like Stefan Diggs was, you're not going to just be Stefan Diggs, right? But you can at least establish a threat that defenses have to respect and, and warp the way defenses have to play and kind of force them to be uncomfortable. Then, yeah, I think you can have plenty of production. And I think most defenses are still going to be pretty much worried about, okay, how do we stop Dalvin Cook, assuming he plays? I mean, that's always the question that I would always get on every crossover Wednesday. I would get how do you stop Dalvin Cook? What's the secret to stopping Dalvin <laughs> Cook? That's what everybody's worried about. So, yeah, I, I think that there is going to be a regression. I don't think it's doom and gloom. I don't think it's apocalyptic. But, yeah, they're not going to be a top. They're, they'll maybe be pushing being a top 10 offense, but they're not going to be the crazy unit they were in 2019. A couple of familiar names no longer on that Vikings defense. Obviously, the cornerback position was priority number one for the Vikings front office this offseason. What do you expect from that Vikings defensive unit in 2020? Yeah, so Xavier Rhodes was dreadful in 2019, and even an average rookie corner performance will probably be better than that, but it'll still be like rookie stuff. So you wouldn't expect it to be good, but probably not as bad. Everson Griffin's still on the market. There's The door is still open for him to return, though it does seem like he isn't going to be on the team anymore. Uh, and you instead have a guy, Ifadio Denebo, who is a Northwestern guy, came in the seventh round a couple years ago. Uh, he is my breakout guy that I've been telling to everybody Keep an eye on uh, Ifadio Denebo. He is going to basically be priced into starting, and I think he's excellent. He was really productive in a rotational role in 2019. Really powerful guy, just runs right through you kind of guy. And I think he's going to be uh, kind of Andre Patterson's next big creation. Of course, you got Daniel Hunter on the other side. So I think the uh, the Mike Hughes, Jeff Gladney thing, I think Jeff Gladney could actually step in and be a, a quality starter right away. I'm really high on that pick. And I think Mike Hughes is really good too. One of those guys will play the nickel. That's pretty important. And they have Cameron Dantzler, who is an okay, I mean, he's a third round rookie. You don't necessarily want them starting day one. Or Holton Hill, who is has always played really well, but he 
he's had a bunch of off-field issues with marijuana and a PED suspension. And so that's a little bit of that pressure is taken off too. So if he can be available, maybe he's the guy. So there's a lot of question marks in that secondary, but you do have maybe the best, or I'm going to say, yeah, the best safety tandem in the league in Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith. And I I don't even really think that's arguable. They're both phenomenal. Um, That is going to take a lot of pressure off of those young corners. And so it's kind of going to be the big question for me is, okay, Mike Zimmer, you're a defensive genius. You have great safeties and no corners. How do you change a scheme to make that? And I'm really excited to see what he comes up, comes up with. NFL safety is one of the most fascinating position groups right now, because I think they're more valuable than ever, but there's so many good safeties. Every team has at least one pretty good safety, and and a lot of teams have two good safeties. I've heard a lot of folks on this podcast talk about how their team has the best safety tandem in the NFL. And uh, they're in my way. I'll fight them all. (laughs) And um, the dollars might blow up very soon with some of the young star safeties that are now in the league. A fascinating position to watch how that is treated going forward the spread offenses and so many deep routes. And I mean, look at the chiefs with all like the chiefs whole offense was centered around have Tyree kill and Michael Harmon be fast. And you need safeties to deal with that. So I, I, I think that having safeties is, I don't know why people are like, don't pay a safety more than 10 million. I think that's insane. Pay your safeties coverage matters. That is Luke Braun. You can find him on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find him daily at locked on Vikings. Luke, let's do it again. Let's get you back on the show often. Yeah, let's hope it's for reasons that my team is good and interesting to talk about and not because they've fallen into chaos. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Good point. Thanks again to Luke Braun for guest hosting today. The guest hosts continue all week while Matt Williamson is on vacation tomorrow. Chris Carter, he's the host of Locked on Steelers. Joining me right here, Locked on NFL.